Owe nothing to one another except to love one another, says St. Paul. Love can be such a vague term that it can be spoken of in so many different ways. It seems to me that our readings today want to consider the way of love within the context of fraternal correction, because it is precisely here that we have the power to bind and loosen. For many mistakes happen in the attempt to correct someone else's behavior. There are many leadership courses that, that govern this, and even a whole self-help business course out there that explores this dimension of interpersonal relationships called Crucial Conversations. It's a very good course from a secular perspective. What I like about the term crucial conversations is the word crucial coming from cross, crooks. Interpersonal relationships become crosses when there is a need for fraternal correction, and especially when this need is left unfulfilled or frustrated. Looking at the gospel, Jesus highlights a plan for fraternal correction and places it within the context of the power to bind and loosen. And this power to bind and loosen can be unholy or holy. First, the unholy power to bind and loosen. We have the power to bind sinfully with our words and actions. How often are people bound by things that are said, by insults, belittling remarks, sarcastic remarks, lies, angry words, and so on. You all remember and know that expression, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, what baloney. By the way, that's the closest you'll ever hear me, because when I use the word baloney, I usually want to say something else. But propriety prevents me. So sometimes people are left bound for life. Can you remember a remark said a long time ago by someone which has long been forgotten by the speaker? I knew of an intelligent woman in her 70s who thought she was stupid because so many people told her that when she was a child, and that was my mom. People are often left bound, and it takes a lot of effort for them to break free. We also have the power to loosen sinfully with our words and actions. We can tell people we love them, but we can let a lot of things slide in the name of love. Many sinful actions have been accepted in the name of love. We want our children to explore and be free, and so we don't want to set up boundaries for people. Because we think boundaries do not let people be free. So in the name of love and freedom, we have allowed cohabitation, abortion, gay marriage, the freedom to die, and many other things, not realizing that the more we loosen our standards and values, we are actually enslaving people more and more. Why are people more miserable when they have these so-called freedoms? Why are people happy when they have the boundaries of moral values and virtues? We also have been given the holy power to bind when someone sins against us and we go and confront that person. Our readings today speak powerfully of this power to bind someone for God. 
It usually happens when we can speak the truth in love, for this is key. It places the holy power to bind within the context of love, of which St. Paul speaks about. If a brother sins against you, we are obliged to confront that person. If he listens, note Jesus didn't say repents, you have won him over. Jesus didn't say repent because you can't force someone to repent. Once you have confronted, the other person's response really isn't your concern. That's on them. How they answer you, how they respond to you, is entirely on them. And you have done what you have needed to do. If he doesn't listen, then take others with you. And then even if that doesn't work, turn things over to the church. And I'll come back to that point in a bit. So often people don't follow Jesus' words. Most people tend to grumble and complain and gossip about things rather than go to the person directly. Jesus was well aware of this tendency of ours towards negativity, and he wants us to be rid of it. By being direct, we bind people to God. By being indirect, we foster a spirit of negativity by our grumbling, complaining, and gossiping. And so we also have the holy power to loosen for God. We can loosen by saying the words, I forgive you, or I love you. Just think of how we feel when we hear the words in the confessional, I absolve you. Forgiveness is crucial for many of us. Helping one helps one to let go and to receive healing. And that happens when we can say, I forgive you. This also happens when we can go up to someone and say, will you please forgive me? That is much stronger than saying, I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? Remember, the response isn't your responsibility. You will have done what you have needed to do. So what if even that doesn't work out? Jesus says to turn things over to the church. Now, Scripture scholars may argue and debate what the word church meant in that context, that perhaps St. Matthew was writing to a church community which may have entered into the gospel here. I won't get into any of those arguments, but I want to take this in a different way and link it to my experience of the church today, to my experience of monastic life. The rule of St. Benedict, chapter 28, is about those who refuse to amend after frequent reproofs. In this chapter, the abbot is compared to a wise physician. After the unruly monk has been separated from the community, after specific monks have come to speak to him, giving him the ointment of encouragement and reading the the medicine of divine scripture, after he has been excommunicated, that means separated from choir and from meals, and perhaps even after the application of the strokes of the rod, he is to use an even better remedy. And this is a surprising one that surprised me when I first read it. And I quote, He and his brothers should pray for him, so that the Lord who can do all things may bring about the health of his sick brother. If someone has sinned against you, the church would advise you to pray for that person. 
How often have I said that to people? Even Jesus encourages the church to pray for such a person. It is easy to remain indignant and angry, grumbling and upset. But to pray for someone who has clearly taken the stance of your enemy is a heroic thing to do and is the most often forgotten avenue of changing someone's attitude and behavior. For only the Holy Spirit working with the heart of that individual can affect those changes, can break through his armor, and bring about an internal change of that person. But instead, we forget to pray for that person, or we rather not, because we would rather remain in the prison of our own unforgiveness than allow others to be set free. And then finally, finally, after many frustrating steps, we are called to invoke the final step, the holy power to loosen the other person. As St. Benedict says, to use the knife and amputate. Sometimes we just have to let someone go so that he or she may fall in the hands of our provident God. Jesus puts it this way, to treat him as you would a Gentile and a tax collector. Is there still hope for that person? Maybe not for the relationship, and that's all right. It's a tragedy nonetheless, but life goes on. But the other obstinate person, to allow God to judge him and watch over him, because we simply can't. At this point, I have to admit, I'm left with a strange and nagging thought that kind of puts a smile on my face. Jesus says to treat him as you would treat a Gentile and a tax collector. Well, Lord, how did you treat them then? You ate meals with them. You spoke to them of living water. You still reached out to them, especially through the disciples. And what was the result? At the cross, there was one thief who rebuked him, and another thief who begged with him, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. To fall into the hands of the Almighty God can be a scary thing, but it is also a very good thing. It would not be a good thing to fall into my hands. Well, left to myself, I would be a beast to people. St. Benedict makes it clear in his rule that all this is meant for salvation. His rule may seem harsh at times, and my self-will may be resistant. But let's face it, we are all sinners in need of reproofs, even with the stroke, strokes of God's rod, so that we may get to heaven. So I end with this word of testimony. Fraternal correction is one way God uses to get us to heaven, and we must learn how to do it well in the context of truly loving others. Monastic life has taught me this lesson. For as I'm approaching my solemn vows, I'm grateful for my superiors who have corrected me well, so that I may take this narrow way to heaven's gate. And look, there are many flowers along this way that I have never noticed before, and I would not have noticed if I were trapped in the prison of my own unforgiveness.